Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome to it on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, Connor Clark is in. How did you lure Connor away from his newly moved into apartment? Bribery? Bush deception? <laughs> I just showed up. Okay, good. Good to see you. And uh, welcome to join us as well. Different ways to do that here on Hale Varsity Radio, 489-1240. 489-1240. Numbers to get in. Can also dial us up toll free, 800-825-5865, wherever you hear us across the state. YouTube channel is uh, there for you the video stream the hail varsity youtube channel go there or the hail varsity twitter feed at h varsity radio give that a follow and uh, give us a check or a look see that way can find uh, elijah on twitter at herbal essence can find connor on twitter at c underscore clark underscore 27 that's as many underscores as i'm gonna talk about can find me chris schmidt at schmidt underscore radio matthew says i sound like a robot that's not intentional ah let me get that fixed for you that should fix all of our problems okay so i am now muted at least on the the laptop well i had to do this thing where i turned off robot mode on Ah. our on our our live stream i don't know why they even include that mode in the first place but we're fixed now good and it's it's been normal for people listening on the air and via podcast form it's just for the uh currently over 10 people I assume that number is going to grow now that Shmi doesn't sound like a robot. So we're all fixed. We're <laughs> we good pray. to go. And we do encourage you, if you ever want to chime in and uh, see our beautiful faces and hear Chris talk like a robot, the Hail Varsity YouTube page is where you go do that and join in the live stream. Plenty of uh, of comments already in on the live stream. I, I dance like a robot, but I, I try not to sound <laughs> like one. Uh, coming up on the show, Mitch Sherman joins us from The Athletic. Uh, we'll check in with Mitch on some Nebraska football camp drudges forward. Grant Wistrom, Husker Hall of Famer, College Football Hall of Famer. Grant will uh, talk some big red with us. And then Tom Chattel also spends some time with us in hour two. Excited about that. Also, uh, you know, it's really cool in for the state of Nebraska uh, with the, uh, the, the Lincoln East team, what they're doing, Carpet Land, as uh, they are playing for a national championship tonight with Legion Baseball. Uh, they are on at 6 on ESPNU. Had a chance to co- to talk with Coach Lodick earlier on KFOR locally. And uh, we'll check in with a proud parent, Jeff Larson, going to be with us. He's out in North Carolina. His son Luke is playing. And we'll get the scene set for something that hasn't been done since 1939, and that's uh, calling Nebraska a 
a world champion uh, when it comes to Legion baseball. Uh, the Creighton Prep team of 1939 did it. A lot of buzz with this around the state. And uh, good on Lincoln East for what they're doing and chance to win it all tonight. So we'll check in with a parent uh, out there and uh, root for, for Lincoln East. So well, What's special about that East squad is they're down a couple of players in this tournament. They, three three Division One. Their three best players, essentially, are all playing uh, like the, re- the regional circuit, money. travel ball. You get out in front of the college scouts. The downside of that is you got to get away from your Legion team towards the end of the season to go and do those things. And they they should be able that, to do both. I mean, through most of July and into August. They powered through losing some of their better players, came back stronger. I mean, the, it wasn't the Legion season they were looking for early, but they found a way to the battle back. And now you got a chance at a national championship. Yeah, and, and all three of the kids, uh, one going to Michigan, two going to Nebraska. So Big Ten flavor with, with three of the players. But guys have picked it up, and they've been incredible this year. So let's get, uh, before we hear from Matt Rule, uh, I get wore out by the uniform talk, quite honestly. I don't hate the throwbacks. It isn't for me uh, or the alternate uniforms. Again, it's not for me. It's for the players and, and for fans. But the tribute to the original jerseys, so a little bit of blue tinge to these jerseys. They look good. They look wonderful. It's the red. It's the white, you know. But blue on the outline of the numbers, ever so subtle, but it's a nod to that first uniform Nebraska wore when they kicked off against Oklahoma. Of course, Oklahoma being Oklahoma, they showed up to a road game wearing red or the maroon. So Nebraska that Saturday had to wear blue. Great job by Mike Babcock on the history of Memorial Stadium with NET that uh, premiered and aired on Sunday night. Watch that thing. That was awesome. It was great to get caught up with Babbers that way. So, the, uh, you know, what do you think of them? Have they, th- does it do much for you? Do you like them? Do you care? Because the alternate uniform discussion is always something that's fervent around here. I, I think the best alternate uniforms they've had, uh, you go back to that year that Sue wore them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think... I don't remember what year they were, but it was a tribute, and I think it might have been the 1960s teams, and and I, I liked those unis well, the best. They, they went back to the first year of the sellout streak, which I believe 62. was I believe it was 62. Yeah, so they went back to that, and that was the the style of jersey that they wore back in. I believe that was 08. Is that 08 mm-hmm. that they wore those jerseys of Oplini's first year? I always liked those. Also, the black shirt ones that got worn yeah. once under Scott Frost. Those are a beautiful alternate uniform. I wish they'd be the permanent alternate uniform so you don't have to deal with this year in, year out, because as you mm-hmm. said, Schmitty, I've stopped caring. I cared whenever I was in middle Once school. You, yeah, that's your cutoff line uh, between junior high and high school. I, I only care more when it's a big change. Like, this isn't a big change, right? There's a little bit of blue trim around the numbers. The uniforms look sharp, you know, from head to toe, but it's really not that much of a change from the normal uniform. Now... Say if they went to what they did two years ago against Buffalo with the all-white, or they do another black shirt iteration, then I'll probably care more if it's a major change, but this is just a very subtle thing honoring the past, which is cool. I have no problem with that, but 
it's not going to you know keep me up at night that there's a trim of blue around the numbers. And my favorite alternate uniforms have been the subtle ones. I mean, the black shirt ones is probably the least subtle of the subtle ones I like because you change the whole uniform color, but it was still a Nebraska jersey. It just happened to be black with the black shirt logo on the sleeve. You think back, uh, that, that 62 throwback, it was Nebraska's uniform in 62. They changed the font on the numbers, but the jersey, for the most part, was still the same. The Oklahoma alternate, where you just changed the color on the face mask. That was cool. That Those was cool. You added the stripes, too. Those were Oh, cool. yeah, you added the stripes back to the pants, the which should now be back nice. permanently. But, yeah, the, the gray face mask was a beautiful touch. Those have been my favorite ones. This one might be a little too – I don't think anyone's going to notice him from TV or from the stands. You're well, not going to notice that, that light blue outline, and maybe that's the beauty of these is that you'll be able to see it in the close-up pictures, but it won't change the viewing experience Someone, Someone tweeted out a picture of them, like – at like a Coles or something like a month ago and they're like why is there blue around the number <laughs> and I remember seeing You've that and now yeah and now they're out as the alternate and now it all makes sense but when I first saw that too I was like what, what? like what does that mean but here we are I agree though Elijah I think the uh the black shirt uniforms that came out in 2019 those are definitely the best I have to correct you though they wore them twice under Scott Frost they wore them once against Illinois and once against Indiana uh, but the Illinois one I think was better because it was black jersey black pants it was all black okay and I I really dig that I thought that was cool oh, right. and how about the one that that goes under the radar because of how subtle it was the one that honored the 97 national championship team they wore back in 2017 one of the ones that was just a Nebraska uniform except the the numbers had this mesh look to mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. those were all so awesome because again it's a slight departure from what Nebraska does, but it's a cool change of pace that, you know what, maybe a couple fans out there are going to go buy a jersey and send their money to the university. The, cool, uh, and it's not going to ruin my viewing experience like a big old block N on the chest or reflective numbers that you can't read. The Scrabble game. The, the 2017 season ruined the experience. It wasn't the, uh, the, uh, the alternate uniforms. Let's talk Matt Rule and uh, his post-practice uh, report as Nebraska continues to get ready for Minnesota and uh, some feedback, some reaction from Coach Rule and first thing out of the gate, you know, how's how's this week been? How difficult is it? Because you're still in camp mode. You're not quite yet, we don't think, to Minnesota prep mode probably next week. So still fundamentals and tackling and it was open to the media this morning. Here's Coach Rule on, on how well, so far, so good this week has been. The challenge has been to not try to get through it, right, to try to get better. Um, the days start to pile up on you, obviously, but when you look at it on the flip side, there's not many days left to practice before 831. So, um, you know, we better remain a very humble team, you know, and, and uh, if we want to be confident come game time, we have to earn it right now. So um, there's a, the added distraction of being home, being out of the dorms and all those things, and uh um, I think our guys have maintained good focus so far. So I've never questioned this team's work ethic. They work. So, so far it's been pretty good. So I like hearing that you, you have this rallying cry, fellas. It's not remember the Alamo, but it's 831. I mean, that is the, that, that's the, the, that's the goal. Be ready, be capable by the 31st of August when, Nebraska kicks off. So there's been a lot of talk about red zone. There's been a lot of talk about philosophy. And there's been more thoughts on on Jeff Sims from a turnover standpoint. Can can he correct that? What's the right balance of letting it rip versus uh, being conservative or at least cautious enough to not get out of the red zone without points? Nebraska's been a 
a struggling red zone team for a while uh, going into this year. And, and then there's the reality of Nebraska's needed their backup quarterback every year forever, it feels like. And one thing you got to feel all right about here is, is what Coach Rule's telling you, that he's confident in what Nebraska has behind Sims should they need him. Yeah, we, we can win. We can play and win with Chubb or Heinrich. Um, we get a lot of reps here, and those guys are playing really good football. Chubb has made just massive strides. Um, and I think probably a lot of it just has to, you know, new coaching staff is trying to prove a lot in the spring. And I think he settled down and just played football. So he's uh, been excellent in the passing game. He can really run. And Heinrich's uh, passing ability is really developing, um, getting through progressions, understanding protections, um, seeing the field. So I think both guys have had a really good camp. Um, both guys are, are, are dual threat quarterbacks. They can both run and throw. They're both four or five guys. So um, they give us a lot of flexibility. And then you know, Luke Longhull's here with us. And Luke, um, we just had a threes live scrimmage at the end of practice, and he did a great job. He knows, he knows the system. He knows the scheme. So we have four guys that we feel like um, can go out and execute for us. Guys, I, I don't think it's been an issue of do you have talent that's usable in Harburg or Pretty? It's what's their preparation been like, and what have you asked them to do? in past seasons i feel better if i'm a nebraska fan that these guys are ready and and should they be called upon they'll be they'll be asked to do things that can play to their strengths yeah and their strengths what is it going to be right now we know it's going to be first and foremost from these three guys with with how they want to run this offense at least from what we've heard it's going to be running the football i mean Rule talks about, oh, yeah, they're, they're doing well with their throws, making their progressions, but they're four or five guys, and we want them to use their athleticism and use their legs. And, and that's what it comes down to. That's what we've talked about many times on this show. Whenever Nebraska has knocked a starting quarterback out of a game for whatever reason, the backup's got to come in. How many of their teams look like they have a competent plan in place for their backup quarterback? <laughs> they get lit up by the backup. Yeah, because the, the other coaching staff has a plan in place for how they want to bring those starter or those backups to the forefront, utilize their strengths, and minimize their weaknesses. It's the same thing we've talked about with utilizing freshman wide receivers within the past couple of days. How do you game plan knowing that these guys are going to get some play time to say, we're going to show your strengths to the, to the opposition, we're going to try to hide your weaknesses because we know those better than the opposition does. That's what Nebraska's faced in other teams' backup quarterbacks, and now the question comes down to, is Nebraska going to be able to pull out a competent game plan for a guy like Chubba Purdy or a guy like Heinrich Harburg uh, in order to, to, to bring their strengths to the forefront whenever they do come into the game? Also, a, a quick side note here on Luke Longval, who Matt Rule mentioned there at the end of that cut. Where is number 29 at the quarterback position? We'll see if that number ends up getting changed, but he's the, the JUCO transfer uh, interesting if he's a, a guy that's going to be on that travel roster for Nebraska wearing number 29. That's interesting. But Juco transfer and my buddy Graham, who we talked about the other day, the one that was branded at youth, uh, yeah, youth yeah, group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the youth group branding. That is discussion. so out of context for people who did not hear that story. <laughs> anyway, he actually uh, had a job interview down in the Georgia area a couple weeks back, and the guy was like, oh, hey, uh, you're from Nebraska. You know my, my nephew, Luke Longvall? He's on the Husker football team. So no, I your... don't, but do you want to see my freaking brand? <laughs> <laughs> like, I got this in, you know, the old the old church summer camp. Well, I, remember, I was from, my buddy Graham was like, do you know who that is? Because I didn't know who the hell that was. And I went, I think he's the, the transfer in from, from no, Juco. We're in number 29. But and I got Brandon when I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, that, that will never go away. Oh, either. man. So let's talk offense and, and specifically – the offensive response by Nebraska uh, rule kind of, I don't want to say 
walked back criticism, but coming away from this weekend, you're like, oh, dear God, where's the offense going to go? But sounds like they're they're finding some stability there. Yeah, I, I think maybe I, I probably said it wrong after the scrimmage. My issues with the scrimmage were uh, the, the procedure stuff. Like, I'm, the football was pretty good. You know, they played good football. The pass protecting was the best it's ever been. It's just, you know, it, it, we ran into a phase of, like, we spent so much time getting reps and less time sort of um, – you guys have been, well, I guess I'm really bad. We've had a lot more times with um, multiple fields going. We haven't spent probably enough time yet um, coming off the sidelines, subbing off the sideline, all those different things. So that was sort of a little bit of a wake-up call, but that was all procedural stuff. In terms of the actual football, um, I thought it was I thought it was good, you know. Um, so so I, I'm pleased with where we are. As I told you, you're right where they're supposed to be. Like, there's, you know, just if the defense plays well, you know, I'm the head coach. If the defense plays well, it means the offense didn't play good enough. If, offense plays well means the defense didn't play good enough so but yeah I think the offense um the offense is playing good football they just had a little more urgency um uh, in, in terms of running on and off the field so you know sometimes players will say things you know, I heard Jeff yesterday kind of you know, hey we we're a little sluggish such a it's really just more about running on and off the field and getting in the huddle and getting out of it so I, I think the football was fine well there you go uh we'll dive into the red zone I just got a text message on point Junior keeps inundating me with uh, Audis. Dad, get me an Audi. Junior, get a third job. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Cotter Clark. We'll check in with the uh, Lincoln East baseball team here in about 15 minutes as they are out in North Carolina, Grant Wistrom next hour. We say hi to Mitch Sherman, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter with The Athletic. Mitch, how's your Tuesday? Thanks for the time. <clears throat> Going well, going well. How's your Tuesday? We're good, man. We are good, and a lot to get to is another day at camp for Nebraska. Coach Rule spoke, and I want to start off, Mitch, with how do you think Nebraska is going to make their money in the red zone? Let's go there. There's been a lot of talk about the red zone, and Nebraska's not exactly been a, a great red zone team. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's an emphasis for Coach Rule and this staff here for 2023. Well, a number of different ways. I think you're going to look at, number one, uh, QB run game with Jeff Smith. I think that's a place where they want to use the QB run game is in the red zone. He's a big guy, uh, falls forward, and he's going to get two yards. Um, You know, it's going to depend, obviously, on the situation. You know, if you're first in goal from the four, I think that's a pretty good way to look at it. If, uh, you know, it's first and 15 from the 20, um, probably not. I think they're going to lean on Anthony Grant. Gabe Irvin has guys who can move the chain uh, from the running back position. I think Nebraska feels like it's, it's strong on the uh, interior position, especially of that offensive line with Ben Scott uh, as the lead guy in the middle. And then what looks like Ethan Piper and, and Nuri Nuili, um in the uh, at the guard spots alongside uh, Ben Scott. And then I think they're going to look to the tight end. 
Um, you know, notice I didn't mention the wide receivers. I think that's the <laughs> weakest point right there of Nebraska's red zone uh, potential. But they're going to look at the tight ends, and I think both Borkutcher and Thomas Bodoni are guys they feel like they can lean on uh, to score touchdowns. Early in the season, Mitch, do you think that, that driving into the red zone, getting a field goal, is that could be a moral victory? Because we, we expect usually whenever there's new offenses installed at a school or in a program that it's going to take a while for that offense to really mesh together and, and find its footing. Do you think that, that field goals will be a success, or will that be something that you, you look back on and bemoan in games like Minnesota and games like Colorado because of how much pressure might already be on that defense? Yeah, I mean, it's just a situational thing. I mean, if it's a game where points are at a premium, then, you know, absolutely. You want, it's much better than, than giving it up on downs or, or you know, missing a field goal. You hope that at least you're going to get an opportunity to attempt a field goal. If it really goes awry and you commit a turnover or, or lose it on downs, then that's obviously worst-case scenario. Um, no, I mean, by and large, I think I would say no to that. And I think if you ask Matt Rule and, and, and Donovan Rayola and Marcus Satterfield about kicking field goals when they're in the red zone, they're going to say they want to score touchdowns. And that's you know what any coach is going to say. I don't think it's any different this year because this is the first, uh, a first-year coaching staff. They want to score touchdowns if they get inside the 20-yard line. You know, field goals are for, are for when you – you have it third and third and eight at the at the thirty, and, and then you feel good about a field goal, but not not once you get in the red zone. You want you want six. Mitch Sherman is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. So when you're talking about Nebraska getting into the red zone, do you expect them to be more aggressive? Say it's you know a fourth and goal within the five. I mean, are you going to be shocked if they end up going for it, or do you think that they'll just have the more conservative approach with that new offense being installed? You know, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but again, it's 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 situational, and it depends on the time of the game. If it's the first quarter, you know, you're more likely to, to take a risk, and and it, and it depends on how your defense is playing and what, what's the tone of the game, what's the, what are the weather conditions, you know, how do you feel like the other team is set up? Are they going to score 40 points? And you, you know, three really isn't going to help you. Um, I, you know, I think there are times where Matt Rule is going to want to be aggressive. You know, I think he's going to practice what he preaches, and and you know, for him, it's 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 to be aggressive. It's to uh, go for the throat. It's to play with confidence. You know, I think I think he's going to want to show confidence in his team. Fourth and five might be a bit much, but you know, if it's fourth and two or fourth and one, um, and they feel like they, they they can get yards on the ground, then I think they're going to go for it. I, I don't I don't think you're going to see them on fourth down throwing fade routes into the corner of the end zone. Certainly not with um, with the guys that they have to, right now today at wide receiver. And you know, even if Marcus Washington is back and, and he's healthy, which you know has not been the case at any point in preseason camp, he's still on the sidelines today um, if you have Marcus Washington and you have Billy Kemp and you have Isaiah Garcia Castaneda I don't know that any of those guys are are, are the player that that you know I want to throw a fade to in, in the end zone which is you know generally what you do if it's fourth and five if your tight end's not there um, you're, you're you're looking for a pass that you just have a chance to, to outcompete the defensive back to get and that receiver is just probably not on Nebraska's roster or if he's on Nebraska's roster it's somebody like Malachi Coleman who is is, is still has some time uh, to put in before he's ready to be put in that kind of a pressure moment. Mitch, you kind of led this this whole conversation off here by talking about Jeff Sims and his effect in the red zone. In those big-time moments, as you kind of laid out, third and two from the, the two-yard line or, or fourth and two from the two-yard line, and you need seven or six, 
you're going to put the ball into the hands of your, your best playmaker on offense and let them go out and do what they do, which is go make a play. Is Jeff Sims the, the, the playmaker for this offense this year, or do you think there's an argument to be had to, you know what, fourth and two, we want to give the ball to Gabe Irvin because he's a wrecking ball. How, how do you see that going whenever, you know what, it's late in the game, Nebraska's down by six and they need a touchdown? Yeah, you don't want to be predictable, and it's not, I don't think they have a guy in, in Jeff Sims where it's like, you know, going way back in Nebraska history, like Eric Crouch, where you know, in, in his Heisman year, or in, in, even in the couple years before that, where you just know that he's the guy who's going to get the ball because he's got the ability not just to have the speed to outrace somebody to the pylon. He can also make a guy miss, or he can make a pitch. Just it, it's so dynamic that you, you're, you know, you're silly if you're calling the plays and you don't put it in his hands. I, they're not at that place right now with Jeff Sims. Maybe they will be. You know, maybe he'll prove to be that player in September, and by the time they get to the end of the month and it's Michigan, it's the best team on your schedule, you just give it to them and see if your best can beat their guy. Um, and, you know, in some cases, you're going to lose, and you're gonna, it's better to lose by going down with, with your best. At the start of the year, I, yeah, I think it'll be some Sims when they're in that spot. I think it'll be some Irvin and Grant. Um, not sure what order. Right now, uh, you know, I think snap one of the game, it's going to be Gabe Irvin lining up in the backfield um, with, with with Jeff Sims. But I think as you get into a game, it's just as likely that Anthony Grant's going to be the guy that you put in there when you need yards as it is Gabe Irvin. Um, and, and then I, I'll go back to Fedoni and Billy Kemp. Those are the other two guys right now that I look at and say, if you've got to make a play, find a way to get those guys open uh, on a route and just put the ball there for them to get. Mitch, let's talk about Fedoni. He was able to talk after practice today, and he's had his share of at least video clip highlights in, in some of the footage that's been released. And what what are your expectations here? What kind of year do you think Fedoni can have? And I really enjoyed his, his comments after practice today. The guy's just kind of always on. Uh, and I have no doubt when you talk about guys that love the game, his mannerisms and, and just his grind is very real. I think he eats footballs for dinner, so uh, that's uh, <laughs> well put. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's the kind of guy who comes across like that, and, and Thomas always has been. Um, that, that's that's the vibe that I've gotten from him since I met him in his junior year at Lewis Central and Counts of Love, and that, that's why it's it's been difficult to watch just because you know. The, the anguish that he's in, not, not physically, but just the, the difficulty that it's been for him to go through two years. You know, an early enrollee gets hurt his first spring, comes back, you know, gets onto the field for a couple of snaps at the end of the year in his true freshman season, works through the spring, gets hurt again. It was interesting today to hear Matt Rule talk about that injury, the, the re-injury of Thomas's knee in the spring of 2022. And I was, I was a little taken aback because he, was, he described the play like he described, the, and this was in practice, he described the play in practice. So we, we, we ruled it. So we've heard about Matt Rule and how he watched all of the practice film from last year, the season before he got to Nebraska. He also watched the spring, it seems, uh, before, before he got to Nebraska. So um, that, that, you know, I think tells you a little something about the head coach. But, but to talk about Fedoni, um, yeah, he's, you know, I think there's going to be some rust to knock off. And I asked him about that today. And, you know, he said not, not really. You know, he's not going to admit. Uh, and, and he probably doesn't even think right now about that. You know, he feels good when he's out there on the practice field. And he looks good when you see him run around and when you see him in the videos. He's probably been, been the one guy featured more 
in Nebraska's social media videos than any player on this roster since January. Um, and that speaks to how this coaching staff feels about him because Rule and, and the, 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 you know, the people in charge, the personnel people at Nebraska, you know, they have say in who the school features are on its, its social media. So it's not just by coincidence that you know, guys like Thomas Fedoni and Billy Kemp and, and, and Jeff Sims and, and Isaac Gifford and Luke Reimer just continue to show up on that on that list. I wouldn't be surprised if if Thomas Fedoni is one of the next group of players who ends up getting a single digit just because of the respect I think that he's earned not just this this year, the calendar year 2023 from his teammates and fighting back, but in everything that he's done to come back from two injuries since he since he first got to Nebraska. So, my expectation for him is that he's going to come along like in a, in a gradual process through the year and by the time Nebraska gets into October and gets to mid-season, you know, as long as he stays healthy, um, which he's on track to do, I think he can have a pretty big year. You know, I could see him having 35 or 40 catches this year up over 500 yards. Mitch, whenever we hear the coaching staff talk about how much they want to utilize the tight end position, let's briefly hit on the other tight end in that room that I'm expecting us to see plenty of this year in Nate Borkature. And this is with, with Gilbert and his waiver kind of being up in the air right now. With Borkature, we got to look at him at the uh, a look-in series last night, a bit of a deeper dive into who Nate Borkature is on and off the field. And, I want to get your thoughts on what type of potential he has this year. Do you think this could be a, a coming out party for, for Nate Borkature from walk-on to potential starter this year? Yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's Mr. Reliable. Like, he's the guy who you know going into the season more than anybody at that position. You, you know what you're going to get from him. You know, and don't forget about Janaren Bonner at that spot, too. I, I think he has a role, although he's more of a hybrid tight end and, and can play – they can flex him out at receiver. He can play fullback. But um, Borkature is just a traditional tight end. You know, he's going to be instrumental in the run game. He's going to be a guy like you've seen, I think, out of Nebraska tight ends in the past. So you just wonder how he, how he always gets open because he's going to run good routes. He's going to know the offense. You know, he's not going to misdiagnose something and, and you know, end up costing Nebraska an opportunity. If it's there for him, I think he's going to, he's going to get, get to the ball and get open and make the catch. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't envision him with the same kind of explosiveness and maybe the same kind of numbers um, when it's all said and done that Thomas Fedoni has. He's not the same kind of freakish athlete that Fedoni is, but um, he doesn't take a backseat to, um, to anybody in that, in that tight end group with um, you know, what, can, what the coaches expect from him on a day-to-day basis, and, and he has good size. So um, you know, kind of like Travis Bokulak in the past couple of years, who, who has just been reliable and doesn't drop balls, um, I, I think that's what Borkature brings. Mitch will get caught up again as uh, Minnesota is just around the corner, and uh, appreciate you jumping on. And we're shoot, we're up against it, but we'll we'll talk next time about the the the, uh, the Big Ten kind of state of the union you wrote. Check that out from Mitch on the Athletic. Really does an excellent job running down the Big Ten and the different tiers. Mitch, appreciate your time today, bud. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, there he is, Mitch Sherman with us. Find him on Twitter, at Mitch Sherman. We'll head to North Carolina, talk some American Legion World Series. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, Grant Wistrom coming up in about 20 minutes. Let us head to North Carolina as a natty on the line tonight for Lincoln East, Carpetland, American Legion. We say hi to a proud parent of, of Luke Larson. Jeff Larson joins us. Jeff, you're uh, you're all set up, man, and uh, it's it's game time here at six on ESPN. Uh, ESPN, you, how are you guys doing? We're doing great, Chris. It's uh, 
it's been awesome here. Everybody's treated us great. Uh, can't wait for the game tonight. The boys are doing a great job. No, they, they are. And, and let's talk journey between not only taking state uh, and then, man, uh, making it through different regionals and then uh, advancing to this opportunity. Uh, you've coached a long time in, in your career, I know, and uh, you've been uh, a part of some, uh, some kids. and you, You've watched a lot of this team grow up together. I have, and just to see the camaraderie amongst the boys and how much fun they have, whether that's on the bus, uh, you know, at the hotel, or especially on the field, they're all pulling for each other, rooting for each other. They got each other's backs. It's, it's one of the neatest things I've, I've experienced, whether it be as a parent or a coach or just watching from a distance. You can just tell they all really love each other. So Jeff Larson with us here talking Carpetland, Lincoln East Baseball, as they play in the national title tonight. And Jeff, tell me a little bit about what this summer season has been for you guys, because it, it's felt from the outside looking in like a tale of two halves to this season, where you have May into June, where this team hadn't quite hit their stride, and then the, the calendar turned over to July. I believe there was a trip out to Cincinnati, and the team's really been on a tear ever since then. How has this team developed throughout the summer season, leading them to a point where they can play in a game of this magnitude? Well, it's, it's been a wild spring and summer. Uh, I think Coach Lonick said this is our 100th game for these <laughs> boys. It's, it's, uh, it's hurt my pocketbook, I can tell you that much. <laughs> uh, um, and I've missed a lot of work. I might be on a milk carton at my office uh, at some point. But I tell you what, um, all the trips, all the time they've spent together, I mean – it's just been a ride, a great ride at that. And, and you're right, you know, once we hit Cincinnati, the boys just really locked in and hit their stride this summer. And they've just, you know, when they lose a game, they'll come back and run off 10, 12, 13 in a, in a row. Uh, they just really do not like to lose. And I think they might dislike losing more than they actually, you know, enjoy winning. They just, they refuse to lose. And it's just, it's a pleasure to watch. Jeff, you, you mentioned the pocketbook, bud. Now you have the chemistry and camaraderie with the team. It's also in, important with the parents. How much recycling work have the parents done? How, how's the parent group? Parent group is great. Um, we, we always get together, you know, typically before and after games. Um, like Cincinnati, I, I partnered up with uh, Butch Peltz, and we, we rented a rental car at um, it was, we went through a different app and we were driving around in a, a tinted out black Escalade and people thought, you know, who are these guys? But we, we've, Good old we've Bush. done a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've done a lot of things together and, and just had an outstanding time. I mean, we were in Cincinnati during the Taylor Swift two day concerts and we went to a Reds game. We were eating on the river. I mean, it's just been, uh, for these boys and, and the parents, just, uh, the time of our lives. Now, Jeff, you said that, you know, this team, once they win, they, they just keep winning. And I believe I saw yesterday they won with having one hit. So how do they keep pulling these out in late-game situations and be able to come through in these high-pressure moments? It's, it's remarkable because, yeah, yesterday we won with getting one hit. And you don't, I've never seen that before. I can't recall seeing that. But they found a way. And, you know, we won uh, Legion State. Uh, our part of the state 12 to 11. So that was a game where the, the hitting really carried us. And yesterday our pitching kept us in the game. And then Garrett Springer had that huge 
two RBI hit in the sixth inning to give us the lead. And I just took a deep breath at that time because I thought, you know, with Connor coming in, I thought, we got this. And so I, they just keep finding ways. That's all I can say is it doesn't matter if it's pitching, hitting, run, uh, you know, on the base pass, they'll just find a way. Jeff Larson is with us. He is live. We're streaming him. He has some camera work being done. I mean, the backdrop of the fields there in North Carolina is carpet land, American Legion going for a national championship. They take on Texas tonight, 6 o'clock ESPNU. And there's friendly rivalries in, in the city of Lincoln. There's friendly rivalries uh, in, in the Omaha metro region. You have central Nebraska, western Nebraska. There's a lot of incredible talent in this state. How does it feel to have rivals pulling for you? I mean, that's that speaks... It's bigger than than just uh, a team on a nice run. I mean, there's so much respect for this program. Yeah, you would not believe how many teams, whether it's from Nebraska, uh, even some of the teams that we played at regionals mm-hmm. who have reached out to us, showing their support, pulling for us. I've got friends and coworkers back home having a watch party in downtown Lincoln <laughs> awesome. tonight. I mean – the best part about it being on ESPNU is I don't have to explain to my parents how to stream ESPN3. <laughs> That's pretty good. Jeff, do you have any uh, – I don't want to look too far ahead here, but do you have any plans in Shelby tonight should the boys bring it home? If they win the game tonight, do you guys have any uh, any plans for celebration either between the, the parents or between the parents and the team? Um, no, I think we'll just all go and go back to sleep. No, I, we probably will find something to do. Um, I know we all have flights early in the morning to get back. The boys are, you know, school started. So, uh, we're all flying back tomorrow. Uh, I don't think my flight's till 1230. So there may be, uh, I may need a, another bin for recycling in, in the hotel room tonight. So. Yep. Uh, that, that, that fits for, for summer travel ball parents, doesn't it? Need to stay <laughs> yes, hydrated. Need to stay That's hydrated. Right. So who's, uh, we talked with Coach Lonick this morning, kind of reset it for us, though. Who's, who's, who's on the hill tonight for, for East, and who's got a hot bat right now you can tell us about? we got about 90 seconds. Well, Carter Mix is going to start on the mound. He's been our ace all season. He's pitched, you know, in the spring state championship game, uh, Carter, Carter's the guy. He's going to get the ball tonight, and we're going to ride with Carter. He, he's been great all season and well-deserved. And I'll tell you, he's just a great kid. Always got a smile on his face, eager to talk to anybody and everybody, uh, really supportive of his teammates. Uh, in terms of the offense, you know, Garrett Springer's been swinging a really, really hot bat. A.J. Vasco's been swinging a hot bat. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the guys, uh, Ty Berkey, uh, from the leadoff spot has been getting on base. And then you got, you know, everybody's contributed. Um, you know, all the kids have been doing a great job and, and we're just, we're ready to go and looking forward to it tonight. Well, best to you, Jeff, and, and uh, the, the folks of, of East Carpetland, American Legion, vying for a national championship tonight to ESPNU, 6 o'clock. Uh, check that out at East Spartans uh, BSB. It's where you can follow on Twitter. And uh, there'll be a, a bunch of smiling folks around 70th and A, and really just a proud moment for not only the city of Lincoln, but just Nebraska baseball in general. Uh, Jeff, get that recycling hat on. You guys go get it done tonight, all right? Will do. Thanks for having me on.
Take care, bud. Thanks, there Jeff. he is, Jeff Larson. Right. Appreciate him. Good to spend time. We'll wind down hour one. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Just saw on Facebook, uh, you just talked to Jeff Larson out in North Carolina as Lincoln East goes to try and win that. American Legion National Championship, really a celebratory moment for the state of Nebraska with uh, Legion Baseball, but uh, our friends at Rosie's having a watch party. Awesome. So that's that's really cool. I may need to go hydrate, uh, but if you're a, a parent or a grandparent, you know travel baseball is pretty intense, and uh, the chemistry is so important, not only with the kids, but the parents, and it's uh, it, they're they're soaking it up. It's really cool. If they they bring it home, I know Bud Crawford got a parade in Omaha last week. I think those kids deserve a parade through the through downtown Lincoln at some point this fall. That's that's those fun. Street, I, I can ready. just I can imagine old Butchie Pelts and and uh, Mr. Larson rolling through Cincy <laughs> <laughs> in an Escalade that's tinted <laughs> and uh, and and maybe getting lost. So that's pretty good. Reminder about your your friends at Dyer Law. If you're confused about your options. With your workers' compensation claim, be sure to put your trust in the team at Dyer Law to help ensure that your rights are protected and you get the settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law on the team today at 1-888-DYER-LAW or visit dyer.law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. That is dyer.law, 1-888-DYER-LAW. Easy to do and they'll... Uh, make sure your options are covered and uh, that they follow through with you in that worker compensation claim. 489-1240, numbers to get in. I want to catch the show or get caught up with it. Easy to do multiple ways. Podcast is Spotify, iTunes, Google Play for the audio portion, the full show or the interviews you want to hear. That's available. can watch the entire show on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, check that out and uh, give the radio Twitter a follow at H Varsity Radio KFOR Facebook and Twitter as well. Where you go, and uh, we're loaded up for hour two. More uh, more thoughts on Nebraska. We'll get perspective from a legendary black shirt and uh, three-time national champion, a Super Bowl champ, a member of the Nebraska football and college football Hall of Fame. Grant Wistrom will get us kicked off in hour two. Tom Chattel. Also, a little bit more on Nebraska and that red zone emphasis. Guys, I mean, Nebraska, and and we'll have some more thoughts from Coach Rule as well in hour two, but Nebraska is, I think, in position to put their money where their mouth is. They want to be big. They want to be physical. They want to be tough in the Big Ten. It's going to be vital for them to, to be good at running the football inside the five and you have a dual-threat quarterback, that gives you an advantage. You have a a big dual-threat quarterback in in Sims. That's nice, but you got a stable of backs behind him. And as Mitch Sherman pointed out, uh, that that A-gap, that interior center guard-guard could be pretty big for Nebraska to get it done. I mean, it's going to – I'm already thinking my my wheels are turning for Minnesota. It's going to be a party up there, going to be a ton of fun. But I do believe points will be at a premium. Yeah, just just with the the defenses and how big and physical and tough it's going to be, it's going to be turnovers, and and what do you do in the red zone? Well, and that's kind of why I asked Mitch about that that question of of 
field goals, could they be a win early in the season? Just because I, I do believe points are going to come at a premium. That's how it's going to go. Uh, typically for a, a coach starting a tenure trying to install a new offense, hey, 21 might get it done in your first week of the season. Well, rule wears out situational football in a good way. And that's something Satterfield talked about earlier in the week. Hour two coming up. It's Hale Varsity Radio and Grant Wistrom with us here in about 10 minutes. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency, College Football Hall of Famer, national champion, multiple times over, Super Bowl champ. We say hi to Grant Wistrom. Love getting Grant's take as uh, camp is drudging on at Grant Wistrom on Twitter. Grant, how the hell are you? I'm doing good, Smitty. How you doing, man? We're good. Uh, first day of school for, for junior, and uh, we got uh, shaken down over the weekend with school shopping. Are, are you uh, strict on that budget-wise with the kids, or do you just kind of let them pick out what they want and uh, make them chip in? Uh, so my son goes to a really small private school, and so he gets to wear shorts and a T-shirt, So, and he would not care anyway. He would just wear whatever's in his closet. And my daughter dresses like she wears her pajamas to school every day. Uh, she's, a, she's going to, you know, you can be a junior this year. And so, really, back to school shopping clothes-wise budget isn't a deal for us. So, that, that is good. Were, were you, uh, yeah. were you uh, uh, a guy in, in high school that was uh, brand-centric, or did you just kind of wear whatever? Uh, I wore whatever my mom bought me. Yeah. Uh, and my my mom is a fairly frugal person, <laughs> so brands weren't really ever part of our. Uh, we, it just wasn't a part of what we did, and mm-hmm. more than like, I, I had a better chance of getting a and actually did get a shirt with somebody else's uh, initials monogrammed on the cuff that they'd returned at the secondhand store to wear to school than a Nike t shirt. Yep. So that was uh, pretty much how we were raised. It works out, uh, you know, uh, I remember wanting a, a pair of guest jeans. You know. <laughs> well, hey, relax, dude. It was, and, and before you ask, yeah, Grant. Did you Z No, I, I didn't do the Z. I didn't do the Z, but I got a pair of guests. Yeah. But, and before you ask, yes, they were the Husky size. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but but they got taken back because Papa Bear was like, what in the hell did we just, uh, we spent what on jeans? So. They, yeah. they they lived in the house for about you know four minutes before they got sent back. So I had to I had to get a little back to school love in there before uh, we move on to football. But you know how are you feeling, man? You're a you're a proud Husker. Uh, it's year one of rule. The guys are slamming around, and it's been a pretty physical camp. It sounds like. Yeah, no, that's exciting to hear. You know, um, I, I'm I'm done drinking Kool Aid. <laughs> uh, you know, so that's but that's. Exciting to hear I, I i would love to have a great season but uh and it sounds like they're doing things the right way but just cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. so let's talk about kool-aid for a second i mean 
it's been so much turnover the last two decades. Uh, is there a year of Kool-Aid that hurt worse than others? You know, I, I think the last with Scott there, you know, the past years with Scott there were the worst, the hardest, just because there was such open optimism. You know, one, one of our own was back in charge. He, he knows what it needs and all, you know, said all the right things, and the man just didn't get it done on the field. So that, that was the hardest one. It's Grant Wistrom with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Grant, as we look ahead to Rule, what have you seen from him that, that gives you confidence? I know you say you're not drinking the Kool-Aid, so I'll be careful with this answer, I guess. But whenever you look at Rule, I guess what reminds you of, of your time at Nebraska and what gives you some confidence that, that he has the right keys in place in order to, to bring Nebraska back to where it rightfully should be in the, the, the grander landscape of college football? Uh, you know, I... I don't know other than like what is put out on Twitter. You know, that that's sure. my only source of information. And just the players are saying the right things. He's saying the right things. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have any firsthand information. You know, you guys know a heck of a lot more than I do. But it, it you know, it just feels good. It, it feels like somebody with a blue-collar attitude is back calling the shots. And from an eye you know, test point of view, Grant, whenever you look ahead to the season, what are you going to be watching for to see if Nebraska is well on its way? Because we've talked enough on this show about the fact that the expectations this year aren't Big Ten championship game or bust. It's very reasonable. Go make a bowl game. Go get above 500. So what are you going to be watching for in a potentially 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five season to see if this thing's on the right path? You know, I think the line play. You know, I think it's been so soft the last couple of years. Uh that the line play is going to be a real indicator whether we're trending in the right direction. And that'll show early on. Are the guys going to fight? Are they going to scrap? Or are they going to go out there? And, you know, it's we're down by five in the fourth quarter. Are they going to pack it up? You know, are they going to finish the game? Are they going to go out there and play for each other? You know, and just seeing the energy and the effort on the field, you know, that doesn't take a year or two to fix. You know, that can be done right away. And I just think that that will show pretty quickly, you know, whether we're headed in the right direction. Well, Grant, one of the messages that Coach Rule has been relaying on his players is greatness happens at the end. And that's something that we really haven't seen over the course of the past couple of years with Nebraska football. And as a former player yourself, I mean, how much true or how much truth to that is there when Coach Rule is saying, hey, greatness happens at the end. You must be ready for it. I think there's a lot of truth to that because everybody can be front runners coming out of the gate strong, looking good. But when you get hit in the mouth, you know, and it's the fourth quarter, you know, that's when, you know, the cream rises to the top and the greatness really shows itself. So I I, I get what he, I've never really heard that expression before, but I understand what he's saying. Grant Wistrom's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. A few minutes with Grant at Grant Wistrom on Twitter. And, you know, Grant, uh, I looked back to, to your time in Lincoln and, kind of the mentality that it, that it took to play and play early like you did. And I want to just kind of get uh, your take on, on you know, what hit you in the mouth, what toughened you up, and, and how you were able to, to develop. You were, you were good, obviously, but uh, you also um, you didn't start right away. Uh, you played a lot, but didn't start right away. But your seasoning, you know, development's a big focal point here with Coach Rule. 
Yeah, and for me, it was I was going to make them force their hand because at the time, Coach Osborne didn't play freshmen. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was I am going to go out there. I'm going to fight everybody I have to fight. I'm not going to back down from anybody. And I'm going to force their hand and make them make a decision. Are you going to redshirt me or not? It's not, I'm not going to make, I'm going to make you make that decision. I'm not going to make it for you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And I, and I think that that was well received um, with the coaching staff. I think the players that were already there appreciated it. You know, a young kid that's going to come in and scrap and fight and run to the football on every snap, not take any plays off. Um, and that's what did it for me. It was just all effort. I mean, I, I promise you, I was didn't know the scheme as well as the other guys out there, but nobody was going to outrun me. Nobody was going to outwork me. And, and that's what it takes. And if you've got an attitude that you'll go out there and outwork anybody, you can get anything done. Grant Wistrom's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Grant, 100 years being celebrated at Memorial Stadium and a lot of changes, a lot of expansion. And, you know, you played in, in an incredible era. Is there a, is there a game or a moment uh, in your career at Memorial Stadium that, that kind of makes your top couple? Uh, you've been to a, enough games as well coming back to, to you know, to, to celebrate Nebraska. So I wanted to kind of get where, you know, a Grant Wistrom moment at Memorial Stadium. You're celebrating the 100th year. You know, it, it, it's a really, that's a really easy question to answer. Uh, because for my entire career, I never took the time, and, and even after I did it, never did it again, took the time to acknowledge the crowd, to not, and not acknowledge, like wave at them, but just feel the crowd, feel the energy. Cause, so the game is Colorado, our junior year in Memorial Stadium. And it's, I wasn't sure if I was coming back for my senior year, and it was probably going to be the last home game. You know, I thought it might be the last home game potentially that I would ever play there. So just making sure I soaked it all in the crowd noise, the weather, the experience, everything I could. Uh, and just remember that because it's such an important part of my life. And that place is such an important place to me. Uh, so, you know, it was a, a defensive battle. It was nasty out. We went out uh, and we beat them. They were a good football team and we beat them. Uh, but it was, you know, it was more just about taking the time to be aware of, of how truly special that place is. And that's why that one stands out to me the most. Grant, tell me, whenever you, you think of Memorial Stadium, where's the first place your mind goes? Uh, not necessarily from a, a memory standpoint, but what it means to you. I think a lot of Husker fans have different memories from 100 years of Memorial Stadium. A lot of memories with loved ones, a lot of memories with families, the good times, the bad times. Just a, a lot of things that that place means probably different to every single person out there that you'll ask. So what does Memorial Stadium mean to you in, in the grander scheme of your life? Oh, man, that, now that's a tough question. <laughs> you know, it, it's where I, you know, I sharpen my teeth. It, it's, you know, I had a great foundation going to Nebraska, came from a really successful high school program. But still, it's just going from, a, you know, a, Class 4A high school, you know, if you're coming from a big school in Texas and you're going to Nebraska, it's not probably that big as a transition, but you're coming from a, you know, medium, you know, I graduated with 170 kids, small town of Missouri, and going to a place like Memorial Stadium, getting to play there and getting to be with the guys that I watched the year before play for a national championship and then 
I'm holding hands in the huddle with them. Um, to me, that was the first time I ever really felt like that, not that I'd arrived, but I did belong there. Like, I can do this. And that I've earned the respect of the coaches, my peers, and, and just being able to do it in such an amazing place. And, and at that time, too, you know, uh, that time in Nebraska football history, um, it just – that I think that's it. You know, it just really de- helped me define who I was as a player, refined my mentality to the game and the approach to the game and how you have to play the game at a high level to be successful. Grant Wistrom's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And when you look at Matt Rule's career, just when it's atmosphere-wise, I mean, coaching at Temple, they play where the Eagles play. It's really not that full all the time. You go to Baylor, good atmosphere, obviously, Big 12 football, but – Stadium's not as big as Memorial Stadium, so how can Matt Rule really utilize this home field advantage to his advantage because he's never really had a crowd like this to coach in Toronto before? Yeah, I don't think it'll take that long. You know, he's he's been around long enough. He's coached against it. He's probably been in pretty hostile environments before. He knows what they are. Uh, and if he doesn't, he's going to learn real fast. You know, opening kickoff, he'll figure out what it's like at Memorial Stadium. But, I mean, he's a smart guy. He'll know how to manipulate that, help him out, and just do everything he can. You know, here I am. Just sounds like I'm sipping on the Kool-Aid. But uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll figure it out. Well, I assume you're going with the cherry Kool-Aid, or are you a grape guy? Uh, yeah, I'm probably, yeah, i got to go red. Go cherry Kool-Aid. Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know, do they have fruit punch? I don't I, know. Yeah, it's been yeah, a while. What are you doing punch? with flavors? It's colors. You got red. You got purple. <laughs> it's you got colors. green. I made Kool-Aid for a while, all right? <laughs> it's been a minute since I had Kool-Aid, yeah. <laughs> Usually, you know, you go to the someone's backyard party in college, there's 4,000 pounds of watermelon and other fruit in some giant trash ba- uh, trash can, and, and that was the, uh, the, the punch, right, Grant? Yep, yep. Okay, so last thought before we get you out, and thanks for this. So what's your reaction, and maybe it says a lot about me, but every bar I go into, it feels like there's a jersey of yours hanging up. Uh, and I, I say, oh, looky here, and I, I send you a picture. Uh, what's that do for you? Uh, you walk into a bar in, in, in Nebraska, and there's a Wistrom jersey hanging up. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I, you know, there's just another way, like, especially my kids don't think, you know, they don't think I'm cool. They don't think I'm anything. And when we go back there and I can, you know, we, we'll walk into a random place and, hey, you know, and my son doesn't care at all. And my daughter <laughs> likes, that, likes to act like she doesn't care. But uh, I make sure she sees it. And uh, it, it, it's really cool. But I know how special that place is to me, and I know what I gave to it, and I'd go back and do it all over again in a heartbeat if my body would allow me to do it. Mm-hmm. Eligibility rules would allow me to do it, but I, I know what it meant to me, and it, it's just nice to know that that, you know, the feeling is reciprocal there. That you know, the fans there appreciated what we did. That they appreciated, you know, me as a per as a player, and I also think they appreciated me probably a combination of person and player because, you know, Nebraska is the type of place that yeah, you're a good football player, that's nice, but if you're a good football player and a good human, then they're gonna love you, and, and that's. That's why I love Nebraska. It's, it's, they want the whole person there, and they want to know you, and they want you to be part of the community. And, the, you know, and as long as you're a good person and you play hard, they're going to love you there. 
And um, just when you walk back in and you see the jerseys from 30 years ago, you're like, yeah, they do really love us here. And it, it means the world to me. When they, it, 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 you know, and it does, my ego can use a bump every now and then these days. So, yeah, it does bubble my head up a little bit. And I appreciate that. So keep them coming, Smitty. I love it. Well, it's hilarious. Grant's like, you always attend the finest establishments. Yeah. <laughs> That's the response. Well, classy I love. of places. <laughs> they, 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 let, they let me in. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Grant, you take care, man. And uh, best to you and your family. Thanks for a few minutes today. Anytime, fellas. Thanks for having me. Yep. Got to love talking some big red ball. Grant Wistrom, as good as it gets. At Grant Wistrom on Twitter. And yeah, the uh, the Wistrom jerseys everywhere. Every bar you go to. That's awesome. Reminder to get buckled up. Seatbelts save lives. Prevent injuries. Only a properly worn. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Tom Chattel joins us next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Tower 2 at Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Tom Chattel joins us from the Omaha World Herald to talk some fall camp. You can find Tom on Twitter. Do so at Tom Chattel, O-W-H on Twitter. Of course, read him with the World Herald. Tom, so far so good. What do you think of the camp and the progress Nebraska's made? Well, like what's going on outside the uh, stadium. Uh, what <laughs> construction. What, what, what a building. Uh the guys and the new uh, the construction people who are trying to uh, finish the locker room and facility are, are trying to hurry up and do it and kind of get the feeling that Matt Rule's trying to hurry up and do something too. Um, it's, it's just a time of, of camp where it, there's not a whole lot going on, and so but that's good. And because every answer you get is about stuff that's not very exciting. It's about trying to. Uh, Teach these guys how to win, how to do things the right way. And, uh, they're, you know, today we talked about, uh, you know, the, 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 the freshman receivers, the young guys probably aren't going to play much early. And, uh, cause he didn't, he, he didn't want to rush them. He wants them to, uh, and he says, one of those, he said, I love this quote about the Minnesota game being, uh, you know, it's a grown man's game. And so he wants to, the, veterans out there so that's kind of what we're talking about now and um i, I guess it'll go well dom chattel joins us hail varsity radio i i did love that quote it is grown man and you know the the run game uh, makes you grow up real quick if you're a, a defense or an offensive line is that a lean for you i mean it's been what's made nebraska a really good team for years but can it be revisited and and reamplified can the run game be good enough uh, in in sixteen days. Well, I I, I don't know what they're going to be able to do. Uh, they go to Minnesota. What my hope is that these guys, coaches, have certainly been around and been together a lot, and they they have talked about you know we we play to our strengths. We use uh, the personnel. You know, we, we mold the scheme and the offense around uh, the players we have. So I think that's going to be what this year is all about question is, what's their strength on offense? My hunch is that it's going to be a run game. and it's, uh, That's what uh, Marcus Centerfield said from day one was to run the ball. I think that's what they're going to be good. They're probably going to be the strength. I just, the uh, receiver uh, they call it the receiver room. Now, I don't know when we started calling it the room, but the receiver position in the room 
is uh, is kind of thin, and it, not a lot of experience there. And um, and you know, quite frankly, Jeff Sims has had, has the interception uh, issues in his past. Uh, doesn't mean he's going to have them here, but. If you look at it, I think the offensive line might, might be pretty good or at least improved. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got a, got a couple of running backs, and they got a, a running quarterback. And I think you, you can pound it and, and, you know, throw to the tight ends. They're going to have some tight ends. I, I think that's the formula early. What that does is you get, you make sure you get first downs. You, you, keep, you, you keep your own defense off the field. You, you know, I went them. He's into things too. I, I don't know that that defensive line is going to be ready for a lot of things early. So I don't know. I, my hunch is that I think the running game will be the strength. We'll, we'll have to show up and find out. It's Tom Chattel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Tom, whenever you you talk about the offense, I think we're all expecting it's going to take a couple of weeks for this offense to find its footing during the season. That's how coaching changes tend to go. And especially whenever you hit the transfer portal, as hard as that offense did, it's going to take some time for those guys to to, to meld and uh, and come together as an offense. So let's talk about the defense a little bit, because you mentioned the, the defensive line. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on those guys through the first couple of weeks of the season, particularly Minnesota and Colorado, that, hey, you're going to have to keep that offense out of the end zone, the opposing offense, I should say, out of the end zone to give our offense a chance to go out there and make some plays. And, hey, if you guys get some turnovers, uh, it's going to set up our offense with some short fields and give them a better chance. How much pressure do you think is going to be placed on that defense through the first couple of games of the season just to, to keep Nebraska in football games? I guess it's a question of, of how far away do you think the offense is going to be and, and how much of that slack is the defense going to have to pick up? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what this scheme is. Although I'm not really that, I'm not really fixated on scheme, and never have been. There's not as much as other people do. Mm-hmm. I'm more about who are the uh, the dudes. Do they have any dudes? And uh, they got a couple. But they don't. They, they need more. So I think they're going to be on their way. But this year, I mean, I think the first game, you know, I'm not sure who's going to have a new quarterback. But they'll be at home. You know, like to run the ball. I, I, I think that's, uh, you know, Nebraska is going to have to make sure that they don't get run over in that first game. Um, they're able to stop them up front. Uh, you know, the secondary has got a chance to, to be good with, with playmakers, but I don't know how many uh, teams in the Big Ten are, are going to throw it at them, uh, at least early. Uh, Minnesota probably won't. But, um, you know, Colorado certainly is going to try. So I, I think it's going to go game to game. And, again, I think that the more the offense can help them, I that's what I want to see out of his coaching staff is uh, complementary parts where one helps the other. And um, I, I think I think defense will, is going to be going to have good days and probably have days where, they give up yards and maybe points. You know, guys, that, that this season is going to be what we think it is. It's, there's going to be good, good moments and and some bad ones. And uh, hopefully, what I'd like to see is the uh, is guys coach things up and uh, manage the team and the personnel to the six win uh, uh, area. We go to go back to a bowl game. I think that's got to be the goal. So. Um, but it's, a, it's it's pretty good schedule where they obviously they go on the road for the first two, they come back, 
they, they get their footing, and then they uh, here comes Jim Harbaugh, and that's their only game. But uh, you know, there, there's a week off in there, and I think there's a couple other games. And uh, some games at home, I, I think they can win. So I just, um, but they just they just can't turn the ball over. That 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 really hurts the defense. The offense has to help the defense. I think. Tom Chattel is with us on Hill Varsity Radio. And, Tom, I want to go back to that running back situation we were talking about just a moment ago. And, I mean, the clip came out yesterday on a look-in about, you know, Ramir Johnson running a couple of guys over in practice. And you talk about how running the ball is probably going to be the strength of this team. Do you sense that we will see some sort of combination of, say, a Gabe Irvin, Ramir Johnson, and Anthony Grant combo up in Minnesota? Yeah, I think I think it'll be by committee, and I uh, chairman of the board I might be Jeff Sims. Um, <laughs> I think that's a that's a that's an ace in the hole that you can play, um, keep people honest, but also, you know, you're throwing one running back after him every drive. You change it up or every quarter. Every once in a while, here comes that big quarterback running at you, and. Uh, you know, defenses have a hard. All defenses have a hard time uh, with, the, with the quarterback running game, and it's just hard to stop. And, and especially if, if they use it like an off-speed pitch, I really think that that's going to be the the key. I, I don't see this. You've got to throw downfield to keep them honest. But I don't really see this as a air offense at all. I think this is going to be. And, you know, I think, I think the strength will be on the ground and um, with the occasional tight end. Um, but I also think, look, uh, I'm probably going to write this later in the week. Uh, uh, Nebraska's not going to be back until the offensive line is back to up to speed where it was uh, before Frank Selich got fired. Uh, yeah, it's way, way, way back there for some of us. But uh, <laughs> they they need to get back to the pipeline and get that thing to where it's, they've got continuity, they've got dudes, they're physical, they're athletic. Um, they don't have, necessarily have to be tall or, you know, but just guys who are going to move people around. And uh, that's the heart and soul of Nebraska football. And I really think what – We've seen the last twenty some years is offensive coordinators and head coaches who really didn't put a priority on it, and they did the offensive line a disservice because they didn't they didn't they did not put a physical in practice, and you, know, you can't be physical offensive line unless you're doing it all the time. And I think a running scheme helps you do that in practice and, and also win the games. Tom, we'll get you out on this, and thank you for your time. I really enjoyed your column about years that end in three, right? It's it's 2023, and you talked about going back to 63 with Coach Devaney bursting onto the scene, T.O.'s first year 50 years ago, the scoring explosion, kind of the resurgence in 93 with that unbeaten year, Frank's final year in 03, and then uh, the the – is he back or not with, with Bo in, in 2013? So I'm sure you've you've got the crystal ball out for what the hell 2023 is going to look like. <laughs> well, I don't think it'll be, you know, the last two 
were sort of negatives to the program. Yeah. I don't see how this season can, can be anything negative. I don't, I mean, it's kind of, it's down about as far as it's going to go. I don't know how that could get any worse. Um, and I certainly expect them to get coached up. I think they're going to get back to uh, common sense uh, Nebraska football. And uh, they're going to look like a, a coach and a team. And, a team. <laughs> and I think it'll be back to normal a little bit there. I don't know how, much, how many wins that means. Um, but I, I think if there's uh, everything on three has been memorable. I, I really, the more I looked at it, I thought, this is weird. <laughs> I kept thinking, okay, what was 13? And I remembered the, uh, the, the Boca Winnie tape was released. They lost to UCLA. I mean, Frazier called for him to be fired. It was the circus early. After the Iowa game, he challenged Eichhorst, and it was just a bizarre. It really was sort of the beginning of the end for him. But uh, I think for 23, I think they're going to go to a bowl, and I think they're going to be coached up, and I think there's going to be uh, they're going to learn how to win a few games. So it'll be a, it'll be a real subtle sort of thing. It won't be very sexy. And I think there's going to be the uh, return of good football. Um, and I think the return of, of learning how to win. So that's my uh, that's my prediction for 23. Well, Tom, I think ending the bowl list streak could be memorable in its own right for a lot of Husker fans. <laughs> yeah. I, I forgot. I forgot what it's like to travel that time of year. So. <laughs> Tommy, take care. We'll see you soon. Thanks for a few minutes. Hey, guys, thanks. See you next time. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Winding down a Tuesday. Good stuff from Tom Chattel, Grant Wistrom in this second hour. Thanks to Mitch Sherman. And then Jeff Larson checking in with Lincoln East as Carpet Land tries for the American Legion National Championship. 6 o'clock ESPNU. There's a few watch parties going on for that around... Uh, the capital city. We'll get back to Coach Rule and some final thoughts from him after practice today. And guys, we've talked about it with Tom Chattel, did so also with Mitch Sherman. And let's go here before we hear from Rule. Are you confident or just kind of cautiously optimistic? Like Grant was saying, he's cautiously optimistic about the season. But red zone wise, do you think it's going to be better or worse than it's been? And if you had to give Red Zone a grade, probably during the Frost era, it was problematic. They, they were not strong enough to run the football when they had to run the football inside the, the, the 10, inside the 5. I mean, Adrian early in a game would get in, but then, I mean, all we got to think of is that Minnesota game where you're about to seize momentum and you, you can't find your way in the end zone. You, you didn't have a run game to get it done. A year ago, what was it? It was big plays to Trey, mm-hmm. okay? And, and, and you'd use Casey Thompson in the red zone on the quarterback keeper. You used Chubba Purdy against Minnesota, again, Minnesota or Illinois, and you just didn't have a, a bread and butter. I absolutely believe Nebraska, from a tone-setting intimidation attitude want to let's send a message they're going to go 
two or three tight end eye formation and try and slam it down your throat. They've not been able to do that for years. Well, you think back, I mean, the 2021 season was the closest they had to that. If you remember, they'd always bring in Chancellor Brewington on the goal line. And he'd, he'd go in motion kick out and, and wham block you. Yeah, he'd absolutely go kill somebody on the edge and leave a, a, a hole you could drive a Mack truck through for whichever running back or quarterback was back there running the football. But whenever I, I think back as a whole of the Scott Frost era, I mean, the only red zone offense I can think of my life that was worse to watch was the 2022 Denver Broncos. So <laughs> it's, it's onward and upward That's a only. nice comp <laughs> for you. That's what now, 18, they were all right once they got Ziggy going. Once they got Ziggy going, yeah, and that's what it came down to. Both of those times, it's can you find a, a rushing attack inside the 20? You could with Brewington in some motion that you did, as well as running Adrian back in 21. Then back in 18, you're able to go to Divine Zigbo and his ability between the tackles to make something happen, make somebody miss. <laughs> but Donald. if Donald chimes in here, <laughs> I, all I, I have, have right now is hope. hope. And, and that's kind of what it feels like whenever I, we talk about the red zone is, well, I don't think you can get much worse, can you? Like, is it going to be better in 2023? I, I don't, you you I don't can only you can hope. Down. <laughs> you can hope. I don't think you can go down because of how bad it's been the past couple of years. Listen, you're going to have that, that that option. You're going to have a fullback. Presumably, you're going to have an eyeback, Gabe Irvin. You're going to have a 6'4", 230-pound quarterback in Sims. You're going to have Fedoni at tight end. You're going to have options to to throw it or run it in and uh, and go some play action. I mean, give, me, give me all these spider 2Y bananas you want or need with play action, a little run pass option, then find the, the fullback sneaking out of, of the backfield in the goal line. You can, you can still be physical and throw the football, but it'd be really cool if you're a Nebraska fan to see them get downhill and just mash it in. Well, think about like the options you're going to have whenever you go to that, that jumbo package. Two tight ends, a fullback in the football game. Like I think you'll see Harburg in, in some Tim Tebow-type packages yeah and whenever you combine all that like the amount of size you can get on the field are you able to go mono mono you're eight guys you're five offensive linemen two tight ends and one fullback are you able to go mono mono put a hat on a hat and take out the eight guys in the box and get yourself two yards of push like that's going to be the, the question to me and i think that's going to be a wait and see mode in terms of can the red zone offense be better well let's see what they do against minnesota and that's the easy answer to say here is well it's going to show itself on the field but it's really true here is is it's it's not anything fancy with scheme wise. Oh. I think that that's going to open up Nebraska in the red zone. It's not going to be like what they tried to do under Frost. And wow, we're going to send some guys in motion, and we're going to have a whole bunch of different nuanced options of certain plays. No, it's going to be mono mono physical. We're going to put a hat on a hat and see what you can do about it. And can Nebraska do that? We'll see what those five offensive linemen can do. We'll see what the tight ends can do from a blocking point of view. Bonner or, or Liebentritt or whoever is going to play fullback, are you able to go put a hat on a hat, get a couple yards of push, and be able to push the pile into the end zone? That's the question. Can uh, we hear from Coach Rule, yep, on the red zone? And uh, how has that red zone offense been so far in camp? You know, we've had some good moments, some bad moments. Um, our, defense is pretty, our defense is pretty difficult in the red zone with what they allow you to do, um, with the way that they play. And, um, you know, I, I've been pleased with the way we've run the ball through the red zone. Uh, our creativity has been pretty good. Um, so, you know, I think we're right where we need to be. I mean, um, you know, I'm always looking for, you know, uh, big receivers, and I think, you know, down in that area. So I think guys like Malachi, Marcus, you know, we're still waiting for Marcus Washington to come back. Uh, he's close. You know, I expect him any day now. But those are, those are the kind of guys I think can help you down there. Fedoni can help you down there, some of those guys. So, um, you know, we want to score touchdowns, not field goals. That's our whole mindset. And I like the way we're proceeding. The quarterbacks get a lot of work down there, and they're, they're doing a good job managing that situation down there because it's completely different for a quarterback. 
what scares me just a little bit was a minor thing you threw in there. Our creativity has been good down there. Whenever you think of <laughs> big, big 10 offenses in the red zone, I don't think of big 10 offenses being cutting edge creativity. I, what I think he means by creativity is, is having that extra element. I think creativity means quarterback run option. Mm. I think that's, and that's worked well for you over the past couple of years. It's been the only thing that has worked yeah. in the red zone, to be honest. Uh, more from rule here on that aggressiveness. How aggressive are you in the red zone? And it, listen, it just to me, it's not about aggressiveness or being conservative. Can you execute to your point about just being able to go move somebody a couple of feet off the ball. Yeah, I, I just think it comes down to the quarterback play, right? You know, for me, um, you know, we, we divide the red zone up into, you know, sort of a high red zone area where uh, if you take a sack, you're out of field goal range. So quarterback has to be really cognizant down there about, you know, kind of having a sniper's mentality of touchdown, check down, um, not, not scrambling around and taking sacks. And then as we get down through the low red, you know, um, understanding where to throw the football. Uh, you know, we're going to throw the ball to the front pile on low. Well, it should be back line high. And uh, there the quarterback can scramble around because a sack won't knock him out of field goal range. So, you know, sort of all the nuances that we teach, you know, maybe are a little bit new to some of the quarterbacks in terms of hearing them. Uh, but that we do we get enough reps down there that, that they're doing a good job. And, um, you know, I'm always going to try to run the ball in first. You know, I mean, there's nothing more demoralizing on defense than having someone run a touchdown in. It's one thing to get tricked. You know, I played for Coach Maternal. If someone ran a trick play against us and scored a touchdown in the game, he'd expect us to laugh. Like, hey, they, they know they're not good enough to beat us. So we don't worry about things like that. But when someone runs the ball in or when we run the ball in, it's demoralizing. So we'll start there, but we're, we're going to turn Jeff loose. We trust him. Um, we're going to let him go play. Do we have time for the uh, the, the freshman wideouts? Cut 10. Or are we up against it? We're up against it with okay. that one. That's a pretty telling quote coming up from Rule. So a couple more thoughts for Rule to finish here on Hale Varsity Radio. So be sure to get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the interviews, good stuff from Grant Wistrom today. And Tom Chattel also uh, just fantastic sit, to sit down with Mitch Sherman. And then uh, proud Lincoln East parent is Lincoln East going for the the uh, Legion World Series title, the Natty. They're out in North Carolina. Jeff Larson's been with us. We'll wind it down. Hail Varsity continues, and we're presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out one final time. Hail Varsity Radio. Tomorrow, Mike Babcock going to be with us. Evan Bland. And plenty of time for you. So, some inquiry here. What, what's going on with Malachi Coleman? How much usage will he and the other freshmen get? That's been a popular question in the stream inbox. Here is Coach Rule. And uh, didn't, didn't douse any freshmen's hopes. But you don't want to throw guys in before they're ready. Here is Coach Rule on freshman wideouts and freshman options. I'm giving them all an opportunity to play. I'm not. I don't know that we need any of the freshmen to play at wideout. We'd love to have them play if they're ready. But I got the older guys know how to play. You know that, that first game, uh, the team we're playing, that's gonna be a grown man game. You know they they, they play real football. Um, 
you know, if, 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 if I told our older guys, you guys want to win, you know, you better see a bunch of uh, veteran players out there on special teams. You know, you can't subcontract out winning to young players. Now, some young players will be ready. Some won't. Um, what you're hoping is that we're just going to give our guys chances to get reps and play. And if they're ready, they're ready. If they're not, they're not. Because otherwise, you know, the freshmen, they'll start to put a ton of pressure on themselves. And they'll start, you know, they can't sleep at night because they're so worried about making a mistake. And this is a game of mistakes, you know what I mean? So the older guys have figured that out. So if Malachi is ready, great. If not, he's going to be a great player here. He's an amazing young man with what things he's done and overcome in his life. Uh, if he's ready, great. If, uh, you know, Jalen Lloyd's ready, great. If um, Jeremiah or Jaden's ready, great. But, uh, but you know, the older guys are the ones who will lead us through. And I think one or two of those guys will step up, I really do, and be ready. And maybe it's game six. Maybe it's game seven, you know. Uh, you know, the new rule now, four, you can play four games plus the postseason. So hopefully these guys get to play five, five or so games and, and go from there. We'll hear more from Thomas Fedoni tomorrow. Didn't have quite time to get to it, but last thought from Rule on Fedoni and just his progression because he's going to be could be pretty big time for this Nebraska offense as we keep the red zone theme. Uh, you know, I know Thomas Torres ACL the first time. You know, he, he took just kind of a really unfortunate low shot to his knee. It wasn't like the knee gave out. I mean, he took a – it's one of the most gruesome things I've ever seen, you know, and just took a hit to the knee last year. So, um, I mean, I think anybody would have blown it out. So, I, you know, I think for him, he's done such a good job rehabbing that I don't notice any difference. You know I mean? You know, he timed him in the summer at 255. He was low four fives. I mean, he's a freak athlete. Um, I've never, he, he's probably as hard on himself as I am on myself. So we have a lot in common in that regard. Um, but what I'm seeing from him is, you know, if he has a bad play or makes a mistake while he's still angry with himself, he's starting to quickly say what's next and get over it. And he's made some plays at the end of at the end of practices in the two minute down in the red zone to Sam's point. He's made some plays down there to win game, you know, win scrimmages for us or team period. So I'm really happy with where he's coming. He's in there every day with the coaches working to get better. He's he wants to be here, and I think he will be. Well said on Fedoni. Anxious to watch him, man. I mean, it's going to be... Been waiting for a while. Right. You Absolutely, you've been waiting for a while. And you look at his size and speed and athleticism. As uh, Mitch put it, he eats footballs for dinner, right? <laughs> and I, I go back to, to Dumb and Dumber, that cinnamon cl- cinema classic where, you know, uh, Ray Finkel's mom is baking cookies that are a football, but their lace is out. Yes. And when I think of eating footballs for dinner, I think of Ray Finkel's mom. And how she how she how she <laughs> threw Dan Marino, my favorite quarterback, under the bus. What was the quote? I hope Dan Marino dies of gonorrhea. <laughs> you haven't seen Dumb and Dumber. I have. I'm missing these references though. Do you remember, I I, you remember I, when, when Ace Ventura shows up and yeah. it's you know, all of a sudden it's Ray's dad with a shotgun? Yeah. Okay. What a hell of a model American. I need to rewatch the movie. Yeah, rewatch apparently. it because there's oh, they look, they're little footballs. See, the, is that a classic scene? I know the classic scenes. No, it's it's it. <laughs> hemorrhoids. All right, back at four tomorrow. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.